0: As we get going, um, I just want to start with a word of prayer and then we're going to open up to Galatians chapter 5 and I'm going to walk us through a couple things. So let's pray together. God, we come before you. We thank you for your good name and we thank you for your good work in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would be with us in these next few minutes, that you'd inspire us to see you in a different way, that you would encourage us and strengthen us. And that, Lord, um, as we look into your word, that we would be changed and transformed. And I just pray in Jesus' name that in the next few minutes, you would perform the miracle of freeing us from the things that so easily get us caught in our everyday walking around lives. Father, we just praise you, and I thank you for your good name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, So if you are trying to follow along, again, like they mentioned before, you just go to pipelinechurch.org. And there's a thing, a tab on there where you can actually, it says worship tonight. um, And you can actually follow right after the worship songs. There's the notes for tonight in there. And all the scriptures are included. Uh, If you don't have that and you're actually using a paper Bible, that's cool too. I've got one as well. So it's not like you're out of the loop. All right. So with that being said, I'm going to take us to Galatians uh, chapter five. And we're going to start in verse 13. And kind of the way, just so you guys are aware, because we've got a lot of new people. um, I'm a youth pastor at heart. Like I've been doing youth ministry for 17 plus years now. Um, So basically, if you're like the sun's hitting you in the wrong place or whatever, you got to get up and move around. Like nothing you can do aside from coming up and punching me will really distract me, all right? So if you're like, I don't want to move because that's embarrassing, don't worry about it. We're all good. We're outside for crying out loud. There's going to be stuff, right? So additionally, um, one of the things that we talk about in being part of the church is that it's really important that we know our core, that we know what we're all about at the base. And for us at Pipeline Church, it's the Word of God. There's, There's nothing else more important. So part of the way that we do like teaching and going through stuff is we'll just take a section of scripture and we'll walk through it And and see what God says to us through that. I don't uh, come with a lot of, you know, six easy steps to having friends and making friends better in your life or anything like that. Um, We'll just take the word and we'll pull it apart and we'll see what God says to us through that. And so tonight we're going to take this last half of the chapter of chapter five of Galatians and we're just going to walk through this together. And it starts like this. It says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. I, I think, and, and here's what I'll do is I'll read something and then I'll say something. So it, you're like, what? Well, it's not in here what you're saying. Um, you are called to be free. I think um, in our hearts, there's this desire to be free. There's this desire to be set free of something. And for a lot of us, and I, I even included it in kind of the basic uh, notes for tonight, is a lot of us, um, that looks more like, what am I going to drink with my guacamole on a beach somewhere? Um, when I can be free. That's freedom, right? Freedom is to be able to go and relax and not be worried about time or finances or anything like that. For a lot of us in our heads, that's what we resonate uh, in the idea of freedom. But the truth is, in a lot of things that we do, freedom is something that we crave, but we don't always pursue the things that make us free. For instance, how many of you have ever been on a really extravagant vacation? Anyone pretty stra- extravagant for you. I mean, for me, that's like 20 bucks down the road, right? So you've been on an extravagant vacation. You get home and you realize you have to pay the bill. And what was once free is no longer free, right? I think uh, uh, the, the, I was talking to somebody about their cruise that they went on and they're like, Jeff, you wouldn't believe it. Like all I had to do is I had to show up and everything on the ship was free. Like I could eat as much as I wanted. It was all free. Well, really, was it free? No, it cost me like a thousand bucks a person to walk onto the dumb ship, right? But in our heads, it's this idea of that's what freedom is. Maybe then I'm, I don't have to be worried about having to pay for that, or I don't have to be worried about coming home to a job or work. But but in this, Paul says, uh, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And and in something, when we read that, we're like, yes. I'm called to be free. I want to be free. And he goes on to say, but don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. That's why I stopped there for a second. He says, so while your heart wants to be free and while we're called to be free, don't just make it about you. I'll keep going. But don't just use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out. You'll be destroyed by each other. And so when we read this scripture, there's, there's a context that we have to take into mind. These people are, are so big on the rules and following the rules and doing the right things at the right times. They've kind of like grown up in the church and they learned like you have to wear nice clothes and you have to um, you, you dress just right and say just right things and be just the right way. Otherwise, you don't fit. Otherwise, you don't match up. And so what they started doing is like judging each other. And so when they'd given the offering, they'd say, well, that's not really enough or, When they'd read scripture, they would say, you didn't read well enough. And I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that I've noticed about people over years of doing ministry is there's a lot of people that have been really, really deeply hurt by the church because we get caught in this thing where we start judging one another and ripping each other up while we sit in the pews next to each other. Um, Cindy and I just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary yesterday and it was awesome. And, uh, the Dykstra family did a great thing. They put on a giant party for us, uh, for that. Actually it was a wedding for their son, but we called it our anniversary party and it was fantastic, right? And we were out there and one of the things I'll probably refer to a few times, but on our wedding video, it's funny to watch. There's different things you notice when you're not in the moment. Okay, so Cindy and I were so focused on what was happening with us that day, right? That when we watched the video, we saw all kinds of crazy stuff in the background. And so one of the funny things is, and and we called out her aunt on this one, is as these uh, gals were making their way down the aisle, you see Cindy's aunt, she's sitting there and she's kind of like, looking these people up and down, like you can tell, like she's got all kinds of things running through her head, right? She's checking out shoes to tops, right? And she's got it all figured out. And the video is hilarious because like, she's like totally not a really judgy person. But if you were watching that video, you were like, man, she was sizing them up. And one of the things that happens to us on any given chance is when we're in the church and we're doing life together and we get comfortable with one another, the next thing that naturally happens is we start judging and going after one another or judging values of our friends and neighbors or looking at what they arrive to church in or looking at what they put in the offering or looking at how much they serve or looking at how they actually hold conversation or The idea is this, it's our natural inclination to devour one another. And it's scary. We were talking about this a few weeks ago with some friends, but it's also something I use in marriage counseling and pre-marriage counseling is when you first meet somebody and you're like, oh man, this is the most awesome person, you know, and you're you're having this great relationship and you're like, they're great, they're great, they're awesome, I want to hang out all the time and then you've hung out with them for a while and all of a sudden you notice some of the stuff they do kind of just pisses you off that makes you angry i should say earmuffs um but but the idea is like you're looking you're like man, that really, like you were cool like when we first met, but now that's driving me nuts, right? Or that person that like, just has a bubbly personality, it's so awesome, turns into like after a couple weeks, you're like the biggest ditz that ever walked the face of the earth, right? But it's one of those things that the things you like sometimes become the very things you hate. The people that you hold up in high esteem are also the ones that you'll judge the harshest and you'll go after. And sometimes we say things like, yeah, but you're better than that. Or you could do so much more than that. And the truth is, it's what we're that's how we're made. And I've spent a long time dwelling on that because I need you, along with me, to look in the mirror of ourselves for a little bit of a moment. Because I think if we were to stop and we were to hold up a mirror, right? Just picture there's mirrors on there instead of checklists. If I was to stand in that mirror, there's a couple things I would see. The first thing is I would see scars. From where people have done things to damage me. I would see scars and hurts that I don't talk about anymore. But I would see where people have judged me or, or made comments about me or called me out on something that hurt really, really deeply. I would see scars. But the second thing is if you look really close, you'll also see your own things. And that's kind of a weird thought. But there's as much in all of us, a little bit of a vampire as anybody else. And I'm not just because Twilight was cool a couple years ago, right? But think about it. All of us have the ability to rip and tear and suck the life out of somebody else if we desire to. Paul is warning, he's saying, don't let your freedom be indulged on yourself. Don't look for just a nice place on the beach where you can eat uh, guacamole and drink your favorite frosty drink. Think of your freedom as an opportunity actually to give yourself away. So I guess the question for me would be, is what Paul's saying here really the idea that maybe freedom isn't me finding a place to relax on the beach, but maybe getting busier and getting dirtier into the lives of the people around me. If God has set you free and God has given you the grace to live your life in such a way where you don't have a lot of extra stuff carrying you down, then should it be given back to yourself in relaxation or should it be measured out on the people around you saying, I have something to give and I think, I think there's a place that I need to assist you and serve you and honor you. Right there, I think we could probably end. Like, that's a big enough challenge for one night for a church service. And I, I, I still just wonder, like, if, if we found that moment, just, I mean, we're in a big group here. If we walked away and I told you all, find a place by yourself on this property and just ask, are you more fang or scar? Are you more in a place where you have found yourself devouring people? because of your comfort or are you in a place where you've just been hurt so badly that you're timid and you're nervous and it makes you afraid to kind of be in a community like this where you're looking at people and like i've just been beat up too much don't do that to me i think if we were to take some time and ask ourselves that god would reveal some pretty big things in our hearts and our lives the next section of scripture starts with verse 16 it says this, and, and I love it. He says, so I say. That means in regard to the things that I was just teaching you about, so I say this. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And so the law here would be this law that you and I are going to be constantly messed up. That you and I are going to be constantly going after and attacking one another. It's kind of like the law of nature. Anybody ever watch Discovery Channel? Right? Right? I'm always in shock that people are like amazed when great white sharks eat stuff that's hanging out on like on the surface of the ocean. Right. It's what they're built to do. Right. It's never like a shark "Ah," attacks and then is like, yeah, I'm bad. Like there's no emotion involved. Right. It's not like they're out there just trying to munch stuff down because they want to prove that they're cool. No, it's in their nature. It's the law that they live by. It's the law that they live by. I've never seen, uh, or or, uh, not, I've never seen, but last week, uh, Pastor Steve at Tulare Community Church, he showed this video. It's a really cool video um, where this herd of water buffalo are kind of hanging around in the Serengeti. And this uh, pride of lions attacks like a baby water buffalo. It's the craziest thing. I'm like, why are you showing this in church? right? And, uh, the play out of this thing is they like drag it down to the water and it looks like this thing is just dead. It's just toast. Right. And you're like, this is horrible. This is scarring. Why are we watching this? And then as they're down there, a giant crocodile comes and like all the lions run away and the crocodile starts dragging this thing in the water. I'm like, that's, this is even worse. Like it's elevating to the worst story I've ever seen. And we're watching it in church. And as it's going, then the lions, they're like pulling against each other and the lions get it away and you're like they almost dismembered this thing and now they're dragging them along but what you see happen in the long play is the group of water buffaloes come back over and the lions are like whoa whoa what's going on here right and the water buffaloes there's a couple of them and they start charging the lions and the lions back off and that baby water buffalo that looks like it's been dead for a while gets up And you're like, everybody in the church is like, yeah, right? And we're all pumped, and we're all psyched about it. And then all of a sudden, like, big daddy water buffalo, you know, comes over, and he's like, what, what? You know, and the lion is, like, he's backing off, and the little baby, like, crawls in, and he's in with the herd, and he's fine, and he lives. And you're watching this thing, and you're like, whoa. Now, the whole point of me telling you this is, is in their nature, the lions, they're not doing it because of some emotional attachment to, you know, meat. They're not doing it because they desire to prove that they're awesome and incredible. The water buffaloes, they're not doing it because they love baby water buffalo and they want, you know, they have an emotional, it's not like, you are watching Bambi or something like that. It's because it's what they do. It's in their nature. It's how they're built. They're trying to thrive and survive. That's what they do. And the word of God is really clear that in humanity, our nature, the law that we live by is this law of I got to be on top and I got to be in charge and I'm always above and I have to be the one who makes the difference. And the big picture for me as I looked at this was to say the only way we get out of that is by letting the Spirit of God lead us. Because when you have the Spirit of God inside of you, and the Holy Spirit takes control of your life, you start to be led by different things. Remember I talked about what would you do if you had free time? Sometimes that free time God puts in our lives so that we can do things with it that He would want us to do. And yet... More often than not, we find ourselves spending that time on ourselves. And what the Spirit of God does is He says, Hey, think about this. Like, that's a good thing, but let me show you a great thing. Let me show you something that can make a huge difference. Today I was talking to a lady that um, is in uh, the church at Tulare Community Church, and she runs a ministry called Sweet Nectar Society. And her ministry fully engages families at their deepest points of need. And one of the things that they do is like she goes and she actually takes pictures of these kids with uh, terminal illness. Like their parents are saying, we want a photograph record of our child before they pass away. And it's this horribly, like emotionally wracking thing. I can't even imagine it. But then it's like taking on a whole nother life because now she's seeing that there's even more need. And and what she talked to me about today was wanting to activate some of our community into an area of the ministry that they're finding to be even more and more need uh, need based. And and what it is, is this there's there's specifically a couple families that they're working with um, that they have kids with terminal illness and one of the families that she was talking about the son has been battling cancer and he's in the oncology he basically lives in the oncology department at valley children's hospital and and they kind of live at the ronald mcdonald house there and kind of go in and out well in the process of this she had another child and that child was, was born with some severe disabilities and it's hanging by a thread. And she said, you know, the crazy thing is, this lady was in with her son in his chemotherapy appointment post-surgery. And she gets a text message that her baby is on the edge of going home to be with God. And she's running through the halls of the hospital to make it to the bedside of her infant who's grown up in the hospital. All the while her son is being eaten away by cancer another story she was telling us about this family the husband passed away the son was diagnosed with cancer and now the mom has been diagnosed with cancer and she's got kids still at home but they're having a hard time figuring out how they're going to be raised they don't have a lot of family around and when I hear those stories I realize that my best day on a beach with guacamole and a frosty drink isn't the most necessary thing And I ask God, would your spirit awaken my heart? Would you open my heart in a way that says that I am available to be used by you in scenarios like this? And all those things sound good. Like it sounds good to say that, but how do we find time in our day? How do we find time in our week? How do we make the time to do those things? And I think that's a question we've got to continually ask God. And what God does is he begins to take out and he begins to remove places in our lives where maybe time is being ill spent or or he begins to work in our lives that that becomes a passion for us. Much like Brittany and Sweet Nectar Society becomes something that's all encompassing and we begin to invest our lives. But there's also another side to that. When we see the need and we start to get a little bit numb to it, and we decide that we, we still, in our freedom, want to spend our time on ourselves. The things that come up out of that look like this. And it starts in verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Now, these are the things that, without the Spirit of God, When I realize that freedom is just for me, when I start making it about me, these are the things that crop up when it becomes about me. Number one, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all the like. And he says, and I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The truth of it is, and we've said this before, and I say it over and over again in my house, and I've said it to students for years, it starts with you, but it's not about you. Because if it becomes about you, it becomes something gross. It becomes something painful. I've never stood at the altar of marriage with a couple and had somebody, had them say, yeah, I'm really hoping like we can do this for like a year or two. And then I really want to cheat on her with lots and lots of girls. Nobody ever does that. But when it becomes about me, it leads to something else. I've never sat with people and, and sat with, you know, men and women alike with major drug and alcohol addictions that it was like, you know what? I just woke up one day and I thought I would love to do meth the rest of my life, which may be a lot shorter, but it sounds awesome. No, I've never met somebody who woke up one day and decided I want to be a hooker. Like nobody does that. It's okay to laugh at some point, right? But, but think about that. Everything we do, when it becomes more about us, the worst sides of us get nurtured, and the things that are dark and deep inside of us begin to come out. And that's Paul's warning here. He says, if it's just about you, you're going to go to some dark places. And it's not going to lead you to the things that God has put in your life. There's been a lot of conversation and and my family and I went to Chicago and we were uh, uh, going and doing the downtown tour of Chicago. And we happened to be on the train the day that the the gay pride celebration was going on in downtown Chicago. And this one area of Chicago was going to swell from like, you know, Uh, 10,000 20,000 people to like 300 and 400,000 people all in one day right and so as we're going in from the suburbs into downtown Chicago we jump on this train right and there are people just kind of they are feeling it right and and the kids are all with us and we're like okay so we're gonna have some conversations now they're gonna feel a little bit funny but we're gonna talk about some things kids right and one of the kids I love the quotes of the day that came up was one of the kids was like Chicago. Chicago is way too crowded with people who love tie-dye, right? Um, That was just their perspective, right? Another thing, uh, one of the, uh, actually, I think Cindy, she was like, Lathan, don't look. And, And all you hear from him in his little voice was, it's too late, right? It was that moment of like, oh my gosh. But it was crazy as we were down and there, you're watching all this stuff happen and people just like, they're just feeling it. And what I realize is in the moment, I'm listening to conversations and, and just talking to people. I mean, we were engaging people. One girl, her hair looked like my little pony. It was awesome, beautiful, right? Lots of colors, amazing. Um, but as we're engaging these people, one of the things that's so interesting was a lot of the conversation was, I'm so glad that they're about me. And it had a lot to do with this selfish thing that was going on. This makes me feel good, me feel better, I'm celebrating me today. And the conversation then, I went from there thinking like, maybe it's not a pride parade, but maybe it's other areas in our lives where I hear myself and my friends saying, well, it's about me today. And I began to read this with a different lens and see maybe that's the kind of stuff that breaks the heart of God. Now, I, I'm not here to get on a soapbox about same-sex marriage or anything like that. I, there's, there, I have a whole lot of thoughts on that. Um, and, and there's some things that bother me and a lot of things that don't. But the truth of it is this. While there are people who grow up and they have attraction toward a specific thing. Right? whether it's men for men and women for women or however that goes, when we stop and we begin to release ourselves to our desires and we become more about appetites than we do about service, and when we become more about feeding the things that we like and we want and we think we need, then it leads us to places we never thought we'd go, to places of bondage, and darkness. And sickness. It will always happen that way. And so when we look at our lives, we got to ask ourselves, have, have I got appetites that are just more about me than anything else? Have I got some places in my life that maybe just people don't know about, but that I'm holding on to, and I'm not letting God use me in the way that He wants? Because the follow-up to this is, in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. And I love this part of that verse where it says, against such things or against these things, there is absolutely no law. No one's ever gotten arrested for being joyful or patient or self-controlled. I've never watched a fight happen because someone was too kind. I've never watched people hurt one another in relationships because they were too faithful. The truth is, there are places when we begin to be more about others and serving one another that God becomes evident in our life. Verse 24 says this, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature, with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So he says this, as you become more about other people, the chance of you going, hey, uh, did you notice what I did for you? Did you notice how good that was? Did you notice how amazing I was today? That's our tendency again. It's going to creep back up. And he says, don't let that come back. Don't let that come back. Um, I have some really good friends, Uh, all of you are good friends of ours, but I have uh, some good friends that are here and they helped do our dinner tonight, Um, and Corey and Jaylene are here, I'm going to use Corey for a minute because I think I've used you for this illustration before, so I'm going to have you come up and I'm going to show them something. I know. I'm just calling you out, dog. Um Cory's like one of my best buds and he always sends me the best Snapchat pictures um of his wildlife out on the dairy. Um and then uh, also if you want to just laugh for like an extended period of time, you just hang out with Cory and listen to stories or watch him do crazy stuff and it's fun. So, here's what I'd like you to get the picture of In your head. And this is something that's gonna be a huge, huge factor in us understanding what it means to be saved by grace and not of ourselves. There's an image in the Word that talks about putting on Christ. And that's what our salvation looks like, to be, to put on Christ and to live inside of Christ. Now, now let's go, I'm not saying Corey is Jesus, but let's just picture, right? Okay, so he's Christ. He's going to be my uh, literary example, okay, and physical example. Okay, now, as him, this is what we typically do, is we go, okay, I, I want Jesus inside of me. I want Jesus come into my life. So we stand here, and we're like, okay, if you can squeeze down in here, like, come on. Right? And it's ridiculous. Please, thank you for not trying, because that would be nope. gross. Right? Um, uh, so, but, but normally, like, what we get this picture of is, I'm going to take as much Jesus as I can. Right? Get as much of you inside of me as I can. But fill me up. Fill me up. Right? And that's not the biblical example of salvation. The biblical example looks more like this. If, if, if I get here, and I hide, then you can't see me. Right? The truth is, when the world sees us, we want them to see this. It's way better, right? And and the places I get in trouble is when I'm hidden in Christ and then I go, Hey, remember me? I'm awesome, right? And people go, No, you're not. You're not that great, right? And then you go, Yeah, but okay, okay, well, I'm hidden in Christ now. But did, you, did I tell you, right? And we kind of like get out of it again. And we do this repeatedly. And then there's other places too where because I'm a a little more husky at this moment, right? Like there'll be places where you notice, like you see me out from behind him. And what the father God wants to do is he wants to slowly mold you into the image of Christ. And he wants you to be fully covered in those places where like, I just can't tuck in. I just can't tuck in anymore. It's as if he says, well, let me remove that from you then the truth of salvation is there are places in our life where God says, yeah, you're cool and you're pretty much hidden, but there's some parts of you that I need to shave off. I need to get rid of. I need to put away so that you can fully be covered in my son. Cause while you're doing this, it's never going to work. And when they see us, that's when it gets scary. We want to be covered in Christ. That's the big picture. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me just real quick and, and with, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And it's like beautiful, windy, and, and you can kind of just soak it in. Just relax. You know, lift up your head so you can get all your neck sweat off. It's so gross. But if we could take from this section of scripture and we could think just for a few minutes and ask God, God, what are the places of my life that you need to shave off or you need to get squeezed down or you need to compress some areas like I've let some things grow out more than they should have. Like just think with your eyes closed and just kind of letting the the, the nature and the breeze kind of take over for just a couple minutes. Are there things as I was speaking tonight or as I was sharing tonight that you just kind of felt like, dang it, how did he know? Or you felt God saying to you, yeah, I've been wanting to talk to you about that for a while. Like we all have those places and I've been a pastor for a long time and and I've been working in the church a long time. And I've been working in youth ministry and and various church work all my life. And I could tell you this, there are still places that God every day goes, Jeff, I just I want you to fit under my son. I want you to be clothed in my son. And I have to surrender those things to him. So my question is this, just in your own mind and working this over in your own head, are there things in your life that you feel like God is saying, yeah, that's one of those things that's a sin that I'm calling out. That's a that's an area of your life that I'm not pleased with that I I want to do something with you but but that area is is holding you back. The truth of it is, is God can work in you no matter what place you're at. Like God can work through you in whatever mess and whatever situation But He wants us to desire His presence. And He wants us to desire His wholeness and His humility and His grace and His mercy. What are those places? And then the next part of this would be, this would be a great chance for in your heart, in your mind, to just have a conversation with God and say, God, I need you to start working this out in me. Like, I may not get it, I may not understand how to do it all, but I I trust that you can start doing it. I trust that you can start moving, and I trust that you're in control, and I want to trust you with this area. So again, I just want to give you in this place, in this nature, in this beautiful place of God's glory being reflected, I want to give you a few minutes just to have a conversation with God on your own. To Say, God, I surrender these parts of my life to you. I just give you that time to do it. I'm not going to say anything. Let's just pray together on our own, in our own hearts. And I just feel like at the end of this time, just with your eyes still closed, and this is, again, this is for you. This is not for me. This is not for anybody around us. But as we're responding to what God's sharing with us and speaking to our lives, I think then we would be remiss if we passed up an opportunity. Or there might be somebody here tonight who has never uh, made A real decision to let Christ be in control. To choose to let the Holy Spirit take over. And I want to be really, really clear tonight, just with you while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and you're not thinking of anything else, just your relationship with you and God. I want to be really clear that if you have not done that, If you have not said, God, I choose you and I I want you to begin changing me and I receive your gift of grace and redemption. If you've not done that, you're going to work really hard trying to do the right things and you will never, ever, ever beat it. Because it's the law of our nature. You can be that person saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. And at the end of the day, you will always do that thing. Because the word is very clear that the Spirit of God is what frees us from those things. So if you're here tonight and you've never made like a profession of your faith, or you've never said, yes, I want to receive the redemption power of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, just right where you're at, say, Jesus, I choose you. Maybe you're in a place where you bear a lot of scars in your life from the church and you've kind of put the church aside and you've walked away from what the Lord wants and the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's your chance too to say, I'm coming home. So in your spot, in your place, it's your call. Your time with Him. So God, we come before you, we surrender to your mercy, we surrender to your redemptive power and your grace in our lives. And I ask in Jesus' name, would your power and your Holy Spirit rule and reign in our lives? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.